Hey, everybody, welcome back to Pack Your Mics, the Top Chef iPod broadcast from the creators of Read It and Weep. My name is Alex. Uh, I'm hanging out in Los Angeles with Megan. Hey, Megan. Hey, Alex. Uh, we're also joined in Northern California by Ezra and Sarah. Hello. Hello. And they're watching Princess and the Frog as well. Yeah. So half, half of this household is for sure. Yes. Yeah, yeah that, that's also what's happening. Also joining us in Brooklyn, New York, it's Chris and Tanya. Hey, hey. Oh, hi. <laughs> and up in the valley it's new sarah and kyle how are you guys doing patata, patata. patata. <laughs> you say patata? Um, i also say patata. <laughs> patata, patata, patata oh is that what that's because i've always wondered with the song like who actually says the other one but is it italian people probably who says potato? That's like that's the fallacy of the song. Yeah. People, people who are just on their journey to learn about different types of produce. Yeah, yeah. I think people with different dialects probably. I, I, I feel it just, like it, just they set it up like this flexible. is a common 50-50 problem. And I have, uh, I'm in my thirty-six years. I have yet to meet a person who says potato. But I also well, think that the, that the song sort of, uh, you know, broadened our our awareness. And yeah, now we well, don't that's have the thing. Did it cause anymore. it? Yeah, well, I also could think be. The, the song's like from what, like the fifties, the sixties. Back when the mid-Atlantic accent was uh, a thing. Exactly. Uh, the potato days of the fifties and sixties. You had your Thurston Howe the Thirds mm, out there yeah. saying tomato. Nineteen thirty-seven. Yeah, I also I also just oh, looked this very up, early and um, it, the genre for this song is easy listening. Easy <laughs> listening. <laughs> that sounds smooth. I guess, I mean, it's either easy listening or conflict resolution. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I like that. Well, I guess they agree to disagree. I guess that yeah, is they the, call the whole thing off. Let's call the whole thing off. Yeah. yeah. Um, not talk about it. A national yeah. pastime, if ever there was one. Yep. We're gonna, this, was about class this is about class differences. Like, it was not a regional dialect. It was, it was a class thing. Oh. Well, they I were mean, reaching across the train what tracks. What are dialects, if not an intersection of all of these things? Mm. It's true, but if I was going to call one thing a potato, it might be when uh, Michael, or not Michael, oh, I'm so sorry, Brian, when <laughs> wow. Brian Voltaggio puts wow. a potato into an air gun and shoots it out as a foam, like he did today in Italy. So, you mean a bomb? Yeah. <laughs> well, Brian, I'll call it off as probably a... not called carote, but, you know, whatever. <laughs> so, we are talking about season 17, episode 12 of Top Chef. Um, this is the beginning of the finale of All Stars. Before yeah. we talk about the challenges, we got to get up really early to go eat a burger at the Admiral's Club at the airport, you guys. It's That's time for, for one of those 6.15 a.m. burgers. <laughs> they were already getting on Italian time. That's why it worked out. Yeah. Oh, that makes sense. Yeah. And, you know, here's the thing. Uh, the thing I liked more than the meal was the uh, business class seats that they sat in. And they oh, discovered yeah. the, the sitting, the, the lie flat, and the chillaxing mode. The chillaxing mode. I've had the opportunity to be in chillaxing mode on a plane, and it's fantastic. It seems pretty nice. That seems I mean, like a good way to travel. My brain has been in chillaxing mode. I think my body's been in, like, stuffed into the overhead compartment mode, mostly. Oh, uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. I think as a, as a nation, we are all Greg's back right now. Wait, did chillaxing <laughs> mode break oh. Greg's back? Oh no! Oh, it, did. it didn't. It didn't. He well, said he threw it out before that. Oh. Just like hours before the flight. So just imagine how horrible it was. Hours before, that was when it happened. 
Yeah. Can you have to be on an international flight with back spasms? At least, at least he could lie flat. Yeah, yeah. flying flat seems like a, a real gift. Yeah, no as kidding. As opposed if to being in, reclined in into. Welcome to civilian class. Man, um, yeah. Uh, also, this is like unfortunate about this transition because normally they'd have like, or in previous seasons, sometimes they would have a few weeks off to yeah, heal their backs hair. and change their haircuts. Yeah. I fully, yeah, I fully paused the the show and was like, Chris, this is very unusual. Like, usually we have all this time. Like, people have like put on extra makeup. Some people quit the gym. Some people joined the gym. Like, all sorts <laughs> of things have happened in the time in between. And instead, yeah, you usually get to like, see them responding to seeing themselves on screen before. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. There's always some like weird tweaks that people have made after watching part of the season or like thinking about being on TV. It yeah. just reminded me of that because like they had that clip of uh, Melissa in her finale, and like I don't remember that haircut on Melissa. Nope. Neither do I. So, like yeah. the bangs all the way around look. Yeah, yeah. I was a yeah. I I fully when they went back to that, I was like, was that really what she looked like that whole time? Yeah, it was. It was. Yeah. Oh wow. Well, you know, some people like do better in their all-star season. Yeah. That's, well, she's been very vocal about the changes she's made to her diet and giving up drinking and and all this stuff that like, you know, she's transformed kind of how she thinks about food in line with how she's cooking and, and her hair. Yeah, and her hair. Yeah. So, the chefs are off um with no rest day and with a messed up back to Luca, Italy by way of Rome, um Guys. which yeah. Oh no! I'm just so excited because we get to meet my favorite Top Chef character of the entire season so far. <laughs> yeah, we're we'll, yeah, hang on for a second before yeah. we get onto Tru- that. Trouble dogs? Oh nope. no way! <laughs> oh, I know who it is. Oh, I th- assumed it was. I thought it was Giotto. Okay, but anyway, we'll get to that in a second. But first, um, wait, is it Italian Padma? Wait, never mind. Anyway, um, before we get to all of this, uh, so Luca, Italy. You guys, some fun fa- would you like to hear some fun facts about Luca, Italy? I've sure. been to Luca, Italy. I guess that could be yeah. our first fun fact. What was it like? You, did you tell, go tell to us about your experience in Luca? I Italy? mean, to be fair, I was like a, I was fresh out of high school, so you know, it was all uh, tinted by my my teenage ness. Um, did you spend a lot of time? Like, were you traveling around a lot, or did you hang out in Luca for a bit? Oh, I lived in Luca for seventeen months. No, I was in Luca for like a day. <laughs> <laughs> but in that day, you lived. Oh I guess, yes, I, I totally. From yes. my reading about it, it seems like that might be a good amount of time for Luca. The way a teen can truly live in Luca when you're traveling with your family—that's exactly the way <laughs> I lived. <laughs> well, so as you know, and I did not, um, one of the things that Luca is known for is like the best preserved um, uh, security wall around the city. Like they, from the Renaissance era, they still have the entire wall around the city, and it's really well preserved. Was that cool? That sounds cool. It was cool. super cool. That was the thing I was going to shout out, actually. Oh. It's just that it's it's extremely dope, and it seems like the sort of thing that it would be nice for all cities to have. This is that annoying thing when you go to any place that's older <laughs> than here, yeah. and you're like, wow, all of these things that they did were so cool, and we just don't have any of them. Tanya, but they also... Uh, yeah. Go ahead. What was it, what the whole time were you just like, Luca, wow. No. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Can you go back and do that, please? No, I was an insufferable <laughs> teenager who thought she was smart, so I was using a lot more words than that, as. Okay. Um, Luca, as actually, Sarah, did you guys go there um, when you were traveling around Tuscany? No. We went to Siena, which has a similar wall. Yeah. Mm. And, and actually, yes, we, uh, that's where we hung out with uh, our, all of our collective, nearly all collective uh, old RA, uh, Laurel. She was there at the time. She, she made us wow. a, a, a Panzanella. Oh, yeah. fun. That's lovely. That's very specific. I know, right? I was just like, um, hey, people will get this. 
It is weird to like to as people from the states to think of places that have history longer than a few hundred years. So like one fun fact about Lucca is that in 56 BC it was the site of uh, Julius Caesar, Pompey, and Crassus um, affirming their political triumvirate. They had a conference, a wow. famous Lucca like- conference. That's like super famous. I've read it's that. So, it's so yeah. crazy. Uh, also, in 1805, Luca was conquered by Napoleon, who installed his sister Eliza as Princess Luca. Oh, nepotism. The yeah, worst thing sure. Napoleon did. <laughs> yeah, boy. Uh, absolutely the worst. I like I the idea of just installing like uh, sibling just places, you know, just like just putting them there. Just like, <laughs> bam, you go here now, sister. Um, fill this wall. Yeah, so anyway, uh, that's Luca. The chefs are there, but um, it's time for a quick-fire challenge. Is this it, Chris? Yes. Okay, so the challenge is to make an aperitivo, which is apparently Italian happy hour that takes place early in the morning when you're wearing coats and you're drinking beer at 7 o'clock outside. Can Uh, can I say something about aperitivo? Yes, please. The best thing about it is the food is free, usually. Oh, that's the, you have that's to buy the, the beer though. The brand, yeah, yeah. If you buy like a drink, like, beer? yeah, like so. It's if you're if you're traveling and you don't have money, like we did when we were traveling, uh, it's really nice because you just like it's like you just there's the foods and you just get to eat the foods and then you drink one drink and then you eat all the foods. And this the subtext of this is that we spent our entire honeymoon just looking for places that had the best spread of food <laughs> so that we you could knew what you were marrying, Sarah. Yeah. <laughs> No, and I, the, I did. And I the did. opposite of aperitivo, which is like food without having to pay money, is coperto, which is just you have to pay money for just having a head. Like basically, there's extra charge uh, for just like being a person when you go to the restaurant. Oh, yeah. Do you still have access to the spread though? But that's sort uh, of the same mentality as like when you buy a coffee and you want to stay at the bar and drink the coffee, you have to pay extra for that. Like that's yeah, that's like also that. a thing in Italy. Oh, if you, yeah, I don't care for either of these rules. I guess a quick tight warning for those of you traveling to Italy during this time. <laughs> I <laughs> So relevant. Mm-hmm. But, but I would say, too, for the coperto, I think technically it was only for sit-down dining, and it was for, like, your plates and silverware and napkin. That's what they... Weird. They, yeah. Yeah. Oh, man. I don't love that. Um, well, so this aperitivo challenge got Chris really excited. So yes. you have 45 minutes, and each chef gets a different Italian region. which And you're cooking for 30, which is a lot. Quickfire plates are usually one or two plates. This, yeah. 30 plates is a lot. Yeah. That's a lot. Um, Chris, why are you so excited? Please share. Because of Chef Filippo Separito, who, in my mind and in all of our hearts, is Chef Tasty. Chef he Tasty. is a starred large man who is basically a cartoon character, and he makes beautiful faces whenever he's describing food. And he just, Chef Tasty was so friendly and so nice, and he was wonderful, and I he's my favorite uh uh, re- non-recurring uh, Top Chef character I've seen this season. Oh, I man. was totally I... convinced you were going to go with uh, in Italy, Tom. <laughs> no, in, yeah, Italy, I mean, Tom, in, in Italy, Tom. Also, just Italian Padma the, and all, and then Giotto. Oh, There's so many great. great characters. I did not like Chef Tasty. He was fine. He was fun, but like no, I enjoyed Chef Tasty a great deal. Chef Tasty is iconic. Yes, thank you, Kyle. <laughs> yeah, no, I, I'm with you on Chef Tasty, and specifically, like in Italy, Tom. I would say more specifically that, like, the brim of Tom's Italy hat. Yeah, <laughs> that was interesting. A character unto itself, which is yes. really wide, quite yes. wide. Yes. And if you want to talk about Italy, Tom, it it seemed like they were trying to imply that Tom had died at some point in the season. He was making a dramatic return from the shadows. <laughs> yeah, after murdering his evil twin on that cliff, and then finally returning. <laughs> society 
I never thought I'd see Tom Colicchio again. Tom Colicchio, you son of a bitch. Here he is, turning up like a bad penny. <laughs> <laughs> I did look up Chef Tasty's restaurant in Luca, and it they were because they referred to him just kind of as an avant-garde chef, but that he also really values like local ingredients. And I thought that was kind of especially vague um the yep. plates are incredible looking um and also the restaurant was, was really awesome it's in a um, garden of ancient olive and fruit trees and also gr- they use all of the food from the garden in the restaurant it's a 1600s villa it's just a crazy thing to be in another country uh, that's not young yeah that seems uh extremely exciting to to behold. yeah and the 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 plates all look like frameable art i mean it's really insane um so Really beautiful. Good job, Chef Tasty. You've earned that Michelin star. I love. I. I, I don't want to slander Chef Tasty, but I love thinking that like he's essentially Italy's equivalent of Guy Fieri, and like the Italian <laughs> equivalent of Guy Fieri oh. is Chef Tasty, and he's also Michelin starred because that's just like how Italy does. Yeah, even the even the like diners, drive-ins, and dives have one Michelin star. Uh, diners, drive-ins, and dives are like villas. Uh, yeah. <laughs> relics and castles. Yeah, and piazzas. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh, that's funny. Oh, what you guys. The piazza. Would you like some donkey sauce with that? <laughs> <laughs> it sounds beautiful in Italian, though. <laughs> <laughs> um, uh, not Michelin starred uh, on the bottom of Brian Voltaggio, a Robo Volt, who cannot do well in a quick fire to save his life. He did a triple pivot. Which yeah, the triple pivot did not work out super well. <laughs> That's called traveling in basketball. Space jam was traveling. Um, also, unfortunately, on the bottom was Seymour's deep was like her fried cheese sandwich, which actually sounded quite awesome. It sounded yeah, it, bad. it sounded like from the idea, and I think um, Chef Tasty had a had a good point where like it's a good idea if you're doing a bar snack, having something you can pick up and eat like is is really good. Everything else is sort of fork and spoon. You specifically little. said the one thing about aperitivo is it has to be edible by two fingers because your other hand is holding everybody gets episode sponsors and beer. And, yeah, what yeah, is that? Yeah, yeah. Every everyone came out of the gate with with a polenta one, so obviously they weren't punished for having it be spoonable. Yeah, we can squish the polenta down. Just crush the little cup of it into your mouth. I was thinking when they were on the plane flying business class, I really wanted when they served Kevin's dish for them to squish it down to get it under the plate. <laughs> oh. <rim. laughs> that would have been really funny. Um, yeah, uh, Kevin came out on the top with his creamy polenta, which did seem pretty good. Also, Gregory and Melissa did well. Yeah, um, yeah. this is a this is a fine challenge. I. Um, did not know Padma speaks fluent Italian. Did I know that and forget? That was crazy. I, I maybe we learned that, that once. It in her book. Oh um, yeah. Yeah, I think so it's impressive. Just, she casually knows like five languages or something insane. Like Jeez, that. Yeah, she's right. a super taster. A, she spent a lot of time in Milano. She's a citizen of the world. Yeah, yeah. And, and she would know that donkey sauce is salsa d'asino. <laughs> <laughs> it does sound amazing, and it does sound way better. <laughs> <laughs> I did feel bad for the chefs being so cold again, right? This reminded me of the mountain oh, challenge. Oh, yeah. so cold. <laughs> Happy May, so everyone. Yeah. Yeah. And they were um and they all they did get the night off after they landed, but they were then up at 8 a.m. after this eight hour time change. There must be some sleep def- deprived, uh stressed out cold people with bad backs. Yeah. It was a tough schedule. 
Um, but at least the next thing on their plate is not too intense. It's something kind of fun. The chefs get to go truffle hunting. My favorite character, not occurring of character of the season, appears in Giotto. We don't get to find the other dog's no, name. No, I found it. I found it. Guys, I did what? some research. I found the doggies' names, and I know which one's which. What? Oh. Yes, yes. Where were you able to research this? Tell me more. Tell us everything. Uh, fan sided's food page. I just was like, Top Chef Italy truffle dogs, and then like went through a bunch of bullshit, and I found them. So thank you, fansidedsfoodsided.com, for compiling this important information. So Giotto Jr. is the little brown and white curly dog. Uh-huh. And Biba is the other little guy, the little black the dog. He's like a oh. little stuffy man, is Biba. Biba? Yeah, B-I-B-B-A. Oh, that's such a cute oh. name for a truffle dog. Mm-hmm. I mean, they were such good the dogs, too. truffle dogs are cute names. <laughs> yeah, they're no bad truffle dog names. It was, it was so fun. Um, uh, uh, but I did... Uh, I, I was a little bit surprised at how easy it was. Like, they make truffle hunting seem hard, and they just found all the truffles just, like, really close to the trail. Ma- Megan suggested that maybe they just placed the, the production production crew placed a bunch of truffles in the forest for the chefs to find well this is something or is that it always that easy? does um apparently so i don't and know they, they lead you on a truffle tour yeah that's because I, I looked on their instagram to see how much dog content they had to see if i wanted to follow them it's mostly <laughs> truffle content which good on them that is their actual business yeah, that's on brand. Uh, it, it seems like sarah you are you know, a delight <laughs> listen i'm consistent in my likes and i know i'm so into it most of uh, my social media follows are famous animals. Um, yeah. But they, they uh, it seems like they do this fairly regularly. If you like are visiting Italy, this is an experience they offer. So I mean, I, I would love this experience. Presumably the truffles are plentiful. <laughs> yeah, but it's, was, it seems like there's a short season and it could be that this company owns that land and they sort of yeah. know what's up. I and, think that is exactly what's going on. Yes. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So like, mm-hmm. it's, it's sort of like, yeah, they know kind of what pockets have more truffles than others. Also, um, these are really good dogs. And they're, they're real good dogs. Good dogs. I was wondering why they were not pigs because I've been led to believe they were pigs. And uh, according to the internet, um, they don't use pigs for truffle hunting very often anymore because pigs like to eat the truffles. Oh. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah, Feels so right. pigs were the original truffle hunters because they were looking for them for themselves. But dogs will just find them to make you happy. This is the it's the Venn diagram need of like things that can find truffles and things that don't want to eat truffles. Yes, and yeah. and and Giotto and Biba are in the middle of that. I'm on half of that. Yeah, you are. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> okay, yeah. so. I mean, also obviously this was an edit, and they had a whole. They clearly had like a whole adventure that also involved bay leaves that yeah. we heard nothing about, it was which is so like, yeah. incredible. Yeah, Gregory I just actually mentioned that he'd harvested some bay leaves while they were walking around in the forest and used them in his incredible but okay. not appropriate food. S- side note, I don't, I don't know about where y'all live, but but in Northern California, they're everywhere. It's not. It's oh, not really. It's, yeah, it's not. It's not. I just think they don't get they they get uh they get a lot of shade in cooking. I feel like people are always like bay leaves, the thing that nobody ever needed and that everybody regards as like it's like saying add printer paper to something. And so <laughs> it would have been nice to like get some like some history, some context, some like appreciation for the humble bay leaf. And instead, it was just uh it you know was on the cutting room floor. No, yeah, you, know? you just you, you you chuck them in there, you take them out, and so you don't choke them out and die. That's, that's, that's yeah, we understand the process as <laughs> it's the story of the bay leaf. <laughs> you're not making it sound great um before i do want to talk about why you hate uh truffles but before we do that um megan also asked uh, or inquired i guess is do you so does this mean that every truffle you've ever eaten 
was covered in dog kisses. Mm. It's okay. You get the little toothbrush and you just brush well, it that's. <laughs> Did you guys notice that during the cooking? Oh, yeah. Every one of them had a little toothbrush in their in their chef oh, coat, so and they used toothbrush, to, yeah. toothbrush the, the the thing. But still, they were all getting. They got a lot of licks, a lot of dog kisses uh, into your food. So I mean, they're well, also they're like all... buried in the ground. That's yeah, true. they're grown in literal sticks. So <laughs> it's good to clean them with a little toothbrush, I'd say. Uh, yeah. All right, as I'm with you. So as you don't you don't like white truffles, huh? Uh, I so I don't know wh- which truffle this is. I don't like. Maybe it's both because I, I don't think I've ever had fresh. I think I've only had truffle oil, and sometimes it sounds like they do a mix of both black and white truffles in truffle oil. Um, oh, so well, my understanding from this episode is that white truffles are impossible to taste, and no one notices them ever. So I think you probably hate black truffles. I I don't think I I don't think that, like so no I, I think it's like if you cook them it's impossible to taste right uh, right if you and if you put them with food you won't taste them you'll just taste the food <laughs> they, they have messed Gregory up. put like two million dollars worth of truffles on top of his dish and they were like yeah, I don't I, taste any truffle here yeah I I I don't know I don't understand the difference between the two all I know is that the the truffle forms I've had and I'm I'm open to 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 being wrong on this but it just it it's like it's umami in the bad way for me. It's just, it's just like, it's just got, it's got just too much, too much of that mommy flavor. And it, it, it's very, it's very foot forward for me uh, yeah. in a way that I'm, I'm not super comfortable with. I'm, I'm fine if people dig it. it just, eh. Oh, thank you. That's so nice of you. Well, you know, I, it took me time to get there. I, yeah. I was <laughs> just slapping like truffles out of people's I, mouths. My whole I mean, I've only had super cheap truffle things, but like, uh, if you toss my French fries and old truffle oil, I'll be your friend forever. I like it. Yeah. I'm a big fan. Does anybody else want to speak out against truffles? Because they're three thousand dollars a pound, so we're not going to accidentally have some truffles. Like you have to really want this. I, mean, I like truffles more than aioli. Oh, okay, interesting. Like I like truffle aioli. Yeah, truffle aioli does sound great. Ugh, Truly. Ugh. <laughs> <laughs> um. Well, it it does seem like so. I mean, the, the fact that they are very subtle was not just me uh, being a jerk, but like it really seems like that was the downfall of almost everybody was that it's just so easy to overpower them. Yeah, um, I guess I was surprised that like as a layperson, I know that about truffle. Like, I feel like there are plenty of times when I've ordered things that purportedly have truffle involved and like it's just not like like they say like any other flavor will like cause it to disappear and so yeah. i was surprised like when greg described his his plan he was like his this stew, like yeah. cocoa stew i was like what is wrong with you sir yeah. good sir yeah. what are you talking about so yeah I, I guess as a you know as a rando if i know that i i guess i just felt like i was surprised that it wasn't more top of mind for all the chefs well it yeah, felt even a lot like, like it felt a lot like the kaiseki challenge where it the requirements of doing it well run counter to all the other sort of like traits that are valued as an american chef where it's about like yeah. inventing something and being creative and doing something differently Whereas, like, with both the kaiseki and cooking with these white truffles, it's like, no, you follow the rules, otherwise you're screwed. Because well, yeah, they, yeah that's that's such a good point. And I think it also, totally. like, it also runs counter to what people think of when they think of Italian cuisine, too. Like, there is mm-hmm. kind of this stereotype of, like, it's big, it's bold, the tomato and the blah, blah, blah. Like, like, it's just, there's a lot of, like, I, do you I know think you were fluent in Italian tomato. Too. 
<laughs> but you know what I mean? Like, I think like, and also like when you have all these, these resources and things at hand, like it is easy to get overexcited and want to go super bold. And this is, this requires a lot of restraint. Plus this is, these are chefs that are like the, the thing that have been hammered on all of top chef history is balanced food. And then during judging Tom's like, you don't want to balance this one. And so the thing, like, especially with, like, um, with Seymour, where she was like, I'm doing all of these warm flavors. I need a little bit of bitterness and uh, to sort of balance it. And then, which there's other problems, too, with that radicchio, obviously. But, like, the original idea was to balance with some bitterness, which, even if it had been great radicchio, was not what she should have done for the truffles. Right. So yeah. you intentionally want to highlight this ingredient that has an umami, a delicate umami flavor, and yeah. that will get overpowered by balance. Yeah, it's it's an interesting challenge, and I'm I mean I'm a little sad to get five chefs of this quality having so much trouble with the challenge. Um, although they also all made great food, so this is one of those flip sides where it's like everyone left dinner extremely satisfied and happy, and right. also they're mad at you, right? And he's it's sort of like, well, the challenge was this, so grading on the yeah. challenge, there were some failures, but the yeah. food was all good, and like even the Italian diners who presumably were from the area. Like, you know, Kevin was on the bottom. They were like, number one, number one. You know, like, it's, you know, it was all good food. Yeah, it was. everybody did a really good job. And since the people were not paying for the truffles, um, they probably weren't that upset that they weren't getting as much truffle. It's like the judge, judge's job to care yeah. more about that. But um, well, even the, although even there the was t- that one extremely mean Italian lady oh, who yeah. told Stephanie to not make pasta because she's bored of it. Yeah. Maybe try something else next time. That lady oh. was a crone. That was awful. Uh, I like Sarah. I want, I want more. Yeah, Sarah, what, what was up there? Sorry. No, that was exactly what I was going to say. So I was like, respect to that woman who just had absolutely no problem on camera being like, we have this every day. Do more. Yeah. I was like, great. Yeah. Love her. Yeah. Uh, Honestly. Yeah. I, I love her. And it. also it hurt yeah. me, I guess is what I mean. Um, even the winner, even even Melissa with her kanji, right. like, you know, had the like, just promise me you never make never. salami again. <laughs> like, never make salami again. Don't, don't rough. Don't cook salami. We yeah. praise you. Don't mess with our foods, please. None of you guys can cook them right. Which like something I said to, to Kyle when we started the episode and they were doing the quick fires, I was like, this is like if you brought, imagine bringing a group of really talented Italian chefs who specialize in their regional cuisine to the United States and being like, okay. Here's like the Northwestern seafood. Here's like Southern shrimp and grits. Here's yeah. like California burger. Like doing yeah. like the broadest like examples of what a really like specific regional cuisine was, and be like, and then cook it for all the locals who are going to be critical. Like, I do wonder yeah. if some places, some places are just more open to um, uh, like mashups than other. Like because the Macau final last year, it felt like everywhere they were eating was like celebrating cultural exchange uh was like we want to like bring your thing into this change it this way and the italians seem to maybe a little less interested in compromise yeah it's like hey our thing is good (laughs) do do that really well yeah but i think but but if you do the thing really well i'm also gonna tell you i'm bored of that thing because i had it for lunch yesterday yeah i don't know i guess i feel like this is this this challenge in particular was a focus on celebrating a specific cuisine which feels like like as like as not even a specific cuisine, a specific ingredient, and so you know the like being successful with that ingredient is such a huge part of it that like yeah. I don't know that I don't know that it, like a big mash em up is like what's called for here. Mm-hmm. I'm just sad about Gregory. That's yeah. all. Right. Well, sure, we're all just sad shut about up and Gregory. Take my hankies. <laughs> I just want to give you all my hankies. 
Uh, all right. So, but first, let's do winners. So, um, Melissa won for her truffle kanji, which I guess is a bit of a. She wasn't doing a mashup up, and she said, "I'm going to do like I want to do my cuisine with Italian influences." Um, and so the kanji was like basically like a risotto, which was very cool. Also, Melissa is doing a cl- a kanji class coming up, so if you're oh. interested in that, oh. I would sign up for that. Learn how to um, con- bring kanji into our home. Yeah. <laughs> yes, please. <laughs> Um, she's making chicken kanji, but with vegan options while she's doing it. Um, so oh. I, think it's nice. I love a vegan. Yeah. <laughs> 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 um, yeah, so that, that's an option. Although, um, we talked so much about Megan, about Melissa's cooking class last week. And then, um, Megan, you discovered that literally every one of these chefs and every other chef is teaching cooking classes at the same time. Oh, there's a lot of cooking class options out yeah. there. Um, I know Nini is doing a class or classes mm. as well. So, yeah, definitely check out Instagram. There's a everyone's there's a lot of everyone's things. promoting um, their uh, their classes there. I yeah. not, Go not, find not your shade. fave. It's, yeah, it's got to do. Yeah, but anyway, Melissa, I just saw she's doing kanji, so that's something to keep in, in uh, keep an eye on. We'll put a link in the show notes. Um, and then Vault also just like seemed perfect for this, despite the fact that he turned a potato into air. And I just can't quite get over that. Well, that Listen, is, we like, had the the foam wars. The foam wars are over. We're back to foam. Yeah. Well, it's okay. It's like a genius thing to do with the white truffles. If white truffle What's runs true? away from every food, then you, you take the one food it likes, <laughs> potatoes, and make it even lighter. <laughs> yeah. the, the blandest food will t- take that and mix in a heavy content of air and then let you put that. That's a good point. It is very balanced yeah. or balanceable with, with that. I hear you. I, I share your uh, criticism of foam, however, Alex. I, I don't. It's funny. I've never like had a lot of foams in my life, so I don't know if I hate them. I'm more like offended on the principle of like putting a potato into an air gun and stuff. Like, I yeah. just it's just weird. I a hundred times out of a hundred, I'd prefer the dirt over the foam. Give me a potato dirt instead of a potato. Interesting. Foam. Yeah, give me an uh, ash or a dirt. You're more yeah. a land than a water. I'll take a potato fire. Is that an option? Sure. Yeah. How about some potato juice? Hot potato. Oh, oh, yeah, hot yeah. potato. Hot potato. Just like with the zodiac, everyone hates an air sign. Yeah. <laughs> happy Gemini um, season. Happy Gemini season, everybody. Thank well, you so the, much. That's the tops. <laughs> um on the bottom, obviously everybody else. Um Kevin, Stephanie, and Gregory all got Doom edits and it came through. Or no, that's not true, actually. I if I Gregory Melissa and Stephanie had doom edits and then Melissa was, worked out great, but um, Gregory and Stephanie definitely looked like they were the least likely to carry on throughout the t- challenge. Stephanie with her single pivot, which is legal. That's a pivot foot. That's the way you're supposed mm-hmm. to do it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, and made a smart pivot. And except for that one woman, everyone seemed like really pleased with her pasta. Yeah. I mean, I think just she could have, she could have done one more pivot, right? It, yeah. Like, I know if that's legal for the basketballs, but there's a basketball. Nope. That's fine. Um, just get one. Yeah, but 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 yeah, like so she just had to pivot away from uh, making a, a, a trash element uh, and yeah. like, keeping it on the plate. The, the putting the trash element on the plate was really her downfall. But you know, seeing somebody where all of their talking heads interviews are like, "Look, I know what I did. <laughs> I get yeah. it. It was yeah. stupid. I don't know why I didn't just do it. I know what the right thing to do. It really helps. Like it, uh, instead of like uh, it feeling like doom, it's like okay, well, you, you messed yeah. up, but you're smart. I don't know if we have an MVP for talking heads, but I think Stephanie gets it. Oh, for sure. Yes. I mean, we do. It's called fan favorite. Oh, but I, you know, like I think just the talking heads element, not for any like, yeah. like that specific. That's the standout. 
I don't know. This yeah, episode, her, especially her talking head today. I'm the coolest one here. No big deal. Actually, that's Brian Voltaggio. <laughs> we watched that twice. We loved it so much. <laughs> that's so funny. Yeah, and talking head MVP for sure. And that's not an easy like comedic challenge. That's a very specific thing with producers wanting very specific things. And she's a delight. Yeah, and she made a good pasta in a, Tuscany. So yeah, yeah. yeah. Props. Well, we talked about that last week on the preview where it was like, it looks like she's making pasta. And then we thought maybe everyone has to make pasta. Yeah. And yeah. it wasn't. She was on her own in that and did a, an incredible job. Mm-hmm. And uh, then she just put this thing that she described as gross on the plate. And she was like, maybe if this is a tiny dollop of gross, it will be fun. Uh, and no, I, not fun. You know what? Radicchio is... Radicchio is trash no matter what. I'll say Ooh. it. <laughs> Whoa. It's a very think... powerful ingredient that you have to wield so carefully. Yeah. Yeah. I feel like it really shouts its presence. And it's, yes. And, and it's like specifically a bad taste. It's like, you should know I taste bad. And then if you do it right, you're like, oh, this kind of works. But it's For never. Trash, it's good. Yeah, exactly. Like sometimes Radicchio shoots the moon, but it's never like good up front. But the thing I've never thought about Radicchio in any context is, you know, if this were sludge with honey added to it, <laughs> then and only the sludge then. looked so bad when she was um, immersion blending it. The the purple brown sludge. Oh, it was awful. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, if she just left that out, it would have been a she might have been a winning dish. But um, but this also was like a weird little production moment show where they where she said like I had already submitted like the menu was ar- it was already on the menu yeah. basically, and I was like, oh, this is fascinating because that right. idea of like it's going to be printed on my little placard, so everybody's going to ask me where is this radicchio that you said was here based on this sign. <laughs> like, and Padma said like I would have like we would have given you a hard time for that, but it would have been better. Yeah, Which, if so it, I guess if I don't it know weren't what the rules fish are? critical prosciutto, <laughs> right, <laughs> like I yes. would never. Yeah, it's just an, it was an interesting flub that fish I didn't. Critical. I don't think I realized how early they have to lock in their answers as far as right. what their dish is. That's yeah. such a good clue that in terms of what the strategy should be for menu making because you could just always have some leeway in it, right? Where it's just like like this is uh, you know pasta and stuff, like you know, like, or like it's it's a you know, Italian dish surprise, and just there's give yourself a little leeway there, you know. Like if you uh, ever. Ne- <laughs> Here for all your beautiful loophole needs. It's Loophole Fox. <laughs> has he got a strategy for you? Hey, hey! Like I, I took all of my Whole Foods money, uh, and I'm, I'm, I'm going to exchange it at, at good rates uh, for for the euro uh, now. Uh, now that I'm in yeah, Italy. you take your 400 euros and convert it to 440 dollars, so you could get rich. <laughs> nice work. Um, I yeah, maybe maybe there's some leeway on that. I don't know. Um, I was surprised. I thought they were madder at her than they were. Like during the edit, I thought they were just like not having it at all with her dish and then they were like but if we had to eat one again definitely stephanie's and all of them were like yeah for sure stephanie's yeah. so that was a surprise that was like the gas when that, when that happened a little bit um, and kevin yeah. continued his tour of balls oh man <laughs> <laughs> yeah let's talk about kevin's balls for a second because not only was he like i'm making a pulpette and then they were like the little bottom things like it's just a fucking meatball yeah, like <laughs> uh, Sarah and I have a chant in our house uh, when the, when we have to clean up the sports things uh, for the kids, which is all the balls, all the balls. Um, <laughs> you really, it applies. Yeah, it applies very well. Yeah, that's a also, philosophy. 
It yeah. was really interesting about uh, um, the grocery store challenge, though, which, if you remember from Macau, was like a lot harder. But it yes. seemed like still kind of an issue in Italy. He was the one who got the one difficulty with the Whole Foods, where he got um, he was like, "This is uh, beef, probably," and they were like, "These are three different meats." Yeah, um, yep. it's a tri-blend. Yeah, a tribe a tri-blend of meats that you don't see a lot of in the states. So the fact that he threw them all in was kind of. Um, optimistic maybe of him it sounded good to me i thought it was going to turn out really well i thought he was getting like a like inventive adversity win edit and then i was like i mean i should have known that he was going to biff it he could have no i mean like they they also said it was delicious so that i mean this was this was a day where all three of the bottom dishes were great and do grilled onions like char grilled onions Mm. like and, well, and, and they and they actually said one of them said like it would be better without the meatball at all. So just the onions with a little truffle on top and the pecorino, people would have been like, "This is an incredible dish." Yeah, yeah. Um, like, anytime and, you put food directly on like coals, it becomes something beautiful. Yeah, truly, truly. Yeah. Um. So you know, and then and then and then you guys. Um. So, uh, Gregory's incredibly delicious stew. That just does not make sense with even his just millions of dollars of truffles on top. Um, so sad. Um, so Hannah sent us a Instagram post from Gregory. Oh, you yeah. guys follow him on Instagram. Oh, um, maybe I don't. Weird. Okay. Uh, so he he talked about just how bad his back pain was. Yeah, like it oh was my really really bad. Yeah. Um, so worse than we realized. Yeah. So uh, I feel like every time they cut to him, I was like, "Wow, he is hurting." Yeah. 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 yeah he said hours before we got on the plane for the Top Chef finals in Italy, I had a debilitating spasm that had me limping and pushing through. I had another one halfway into the first quick fire oh. in Luca two days later. The next 24 hours was a rotation of medics, doctors and chiropractors giving me shots in my butt, adjustments and pain meds so I could just make it through the truffle challenge. I could barely walk during the truffle hunt in the grocery shop. I chose to make the dish I did because I knew I could make it injured. I crossed my fingers it would work, but alas, it was the wrong dish for the challenge and not executed great. As you saw, there are serious rules with how to respectfully use this cherished ingredient, so I blew it by blowing out the delicate white truffle. Oh. I was oh then, my God. I yeah. hate it. I hate it. It continues. I was, I was then in bed for three days after my elimination, unable to move, and finally flew home. That's a bad <laughs> Italy trip. That's awful. Yeah, I feel so bad for him. And this was the only challenge so far this year where, for a reason they didn't explain, you had to cook in one kitchen and then carry all of your heavy stuff without rolling yeah. trays. To another place didn't to help serve. him. I was shocked at the time they didn't help him. And now knowing more about it and that yeah, knowing that was helping right him, before like, that, somebody gave him a shot in his butt him. and the medics were t- like working on his back. And then they're like, now carry your stuff. You put a PA or a rolly cart or both to Seriously. help him there because that's, that's not only is it just like, what, what are you doing as like a fellow human not helping this yeah. guy out, but also just even if you're worried about like liability stuff, why are you not helping this man who's injured? Yeah. Like not yeah. make his injury worse. Yeah. It is it's such a sad way to see him go out. Um, but at least he went out cooking something great. Like, like at least they were like, everything you've done is delicious. And then also with him, the other thing that I am feeling is like 
this is a great season for him. Everybody loves him. He his restaurant is amazing. The one that he, like his focus in his life is like getting that new the Haitian restaurant set up, and it went incredibly well in this test run and in front of other investors that may help him later. So he's had a oh, really yeah. good season of it and is leaving fine. I'm just it's just so sad to watch him like that. Yeah, anybody who makes it to the finale and you know has such a you know unproblematic great run as he has. Yeah. you know yeah. shown like well, we're not worried about gregory i mean other than like work on your back dude yeah i'm i'm a little worried <laughs> well if you yeah. think about the last all-star season like around this point like was it i think like one of the last like three or four was mike isabella and he's gone through some completely separate issues that uh i don't want to talk about but after being on top chef all-stars he was like considered a much better chef than after his first season so if like yeah, Mike Bella can come out smelling like roses, Gregory's going to be pretty okay, I think. Yeah, yeah I think that's yeah. definitely true. We actually got another shout out to Mike Isabella in one of the mailbags this week. So interestingly enough, we're going to talk a lot about more about him. Um, before we do that, though, I just wanted just uh, everybody uh, take out your hankies. I'm gonna. This is my first full sixteen hanky. Yeah, um, I, I also agree, but I'm going to put it in Italian. So sedici fazzoletti. <laughs> hey, it sounds prettier that way. Yeah, it it sounds delicious actually when you say it that way. Yeah, it's a lot of fazzoletti. Um, that is a, a a thing about like how I'm only exposed to Italian usually in the form of foods. So almost any Italian word sounds delicious to me. <laughs> I, I would eat that word. Yeah, like I, I probably don't want to eat seventeen hankies, but when you say it that way, I was like, mm, that sounds good with some cheese on it. Seems like probably it's a pasta shape. Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> right. That's also there's a million pasta shapes. Um. Yeah. Yeah. Con con salsa dacino. Mm. Mm. <laughs> um, <laughs> here's my big question, though. Um, Megan, did you feel something? Yeah, for sure. Oh, I'm yeah, so sorry you I had to I try this 16. new thing. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I Gregory has always been one of my favorites, yep. and it, you know, and I just feel really bad that he was in so much pain and I, you know, it just sucks. And someone who's like, so like has been so obsessed with greatness and with, and with doing well, it must just like what, how he must've felt knowing that he couldn't do his thing that he wanted to do as best as he can. That's gotta be so heartbreaking. Yeah. I definitely, um, recommend everyone go check out his full post on Instagram. I, 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 so he, um, it's a little bit longer, but he writes. Um, oh, there's sorry, more. Finding it here. Yeah. Uh, this year we have a Top Chef fan favorite contest, and if I win, I will donate the entire ten thousand to food banks in Louisville, Minneapolis, and Brunswick, Georgia, to support the communities of the recently slain. Mm. I need your vote to make that happen. Uh, we have two rounds left to get through, and he has a link in the bio. And I know that um, Melissa also mentioned that she, if she wins, she would donate her the entire thing. Yeah, entire thing too. Yeah, entire winnings. Do you guys have other um, hanky-related contributions? Anybody not feel sixteen hankies for Gregory? Yeah. What? <laughs> I don't know. What? I was like at four. 
Really? Yeah. <laughs> My girl Melissa is still in it. She gets a win. I love Seymour. She's still in it. I'm good. I know. I mean, I'm I'm full Melissa Stan. I yeah. am with no, that. Uh, sympathetic but... stance, Chris. No, Way to uh, come out swinging. <laughs> no, sorry. I, I don't mean to be so, so combative. Um, no, I, I, I hate to have you be so Megan about this. Yeah. No, I mean, like, and uh, from not the dude i mean like i feel horrible for the dude with his back pain and i i just i think he's acquitted himself so well in this season as far as not i mean like he was already so good when he on his first season but he's been so good on this season as well and i'm you know like i i I have a hard time feeling too bad about him leaving at this point from like the the overall taking a look at the overall competition like yeah i don't know I definitely well, felt a lot of upset about like like when he said like I have this finale dish that I want to cook that yeah. I like it's like mm. you know in my like in my dreams like I just like was sort of I mean he didn't say that I just said that in a super weird voice but I I feel <laughs> like um sure. I I wanted to see what that food was going to be I was excited yeah. by that idea and and I think what I'm realizing in the whole of like this All Star season is that it sort of has like the fact that these chefs have already come so far they've achieved so much and this exposure and this opportunity is making them stronger and making them even more poised for exciting really awesome things in in the rest of their careers like it makes it harder for me to to get those hanky counts very high like as much as you know yeah as much as i as much as i feel for them and as much as it was really hard because like i feel like gregory is such an expressive guy and his face is usually like beaming such like excitement oh his face was just a mask of pain yeah it just like it was so clear that he was like in such discomfort and that to me was really uncomfortable but at the same time i think like my distress at him like exiting the competition at this phase just wasn't uh, it wasn't as high as I thought it would be. And that's been true. Like I, with every fave that we've lost, I've been like, Oh, I'm, I'm more okay than I thought I would be. And I have mixed yeah. feelings about how okay I am. Yeah. yeah. This isn't, this isn't everything yeah. to any of these chefs. I mean, they all totally. just, you know, they're all thriving. Um, yeah. I mean, they're all going to donate their If they get fan favorite, like these are people who are not at the most struggling point in their career. They're doing, no. doing better. And, they have and the more I think about it, the more I'm pretty invested in the Seymour dark horse narrative. I mean, Seymour has been a fascinating, I mean, not, not just MVP in the uh, talking heads, which makes me want to keep her around anyway, but also peaking at a, the right time and cooking incredibly well. And also like support, like considering she's cooking in people's houses versus Melissa cooking in a Michelin star restaurants, uh, Mr. Lynn kitchens. It's like, it's really interesting to see her being this consistently good at this high of a level. It's, it's incredible. Yeah. And I think it's important to note that if this were any normal top chef season, all five to eight of the last, you know, chefs would have won their seasons. Mm-hmm. Yeah. No kidding. I mean, that's the, people say like all the time on all stars, uh, both the all stars, almost every contestant at some point is like talks about how far they made it last time and how they want to get at least that far this time, ignoring the fact that it's a hundred times harder this time around. Mm -hmm. This is getting to, so, so Brian Voltaggio was second on his season, which was a very good season. He was second on masters, which was an incredible season. And he's in the, in the top four in this all-star season. It's one of the most incredible runs in top chef history. Like, and it's sad that he does not have a trophy from all of that, but also like what an incredible feat. Yeah. Sorry. I didn't, and I didn't mean to be, take away from the sadness of Gregory leaving, which no, it, you're right. it is you're sad, right. but you know, in terms it of just like, there's another, 
hanky perspective there. I don't know. Yeah. Um, how about uh, that's a, Burbank? That's kind of what and, I meant oh, when. Oh, sorry. Um, no, please. Like it's been hard, like the hanky scale of sadness has just been hard for me this season yeah. because yeah. I don't. I mean, I I just don't feel sad in the same way because I they just all do seem like they're 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 fine. They're going to be fine. You yeah. know, like it's not like. I mean, I think maybe someone who top chef this is their first thing, and if if it's their original season, it's um, uh, it feels more critical to win. But I mean, I just think they're all winners. I don't know. Like, <laughs> like they're all a, good dogs. It's really, it's really, <laughs> like it's it's corny, but like yeah, I it, right. I almost like no, you're totally I right. guess in my mind, winning isn't. Uh, Sorry, I just it's winning, like winning's I'm not just, everything. I'm spouting. Are um, you suggesting that maybe there's no I in team, <laughs> Megan? There's no I in team. That's what I'm trying to say here. <laughs> That's what I'm trying to say. I mean, it, it's just you know, it's they have so much going f- for them and so yeah. much going on and so much success, and they're all just such great people. And yeah, I, I know that this isn't. Um, it's not not debilitating. Yeah, except for maybe the injuries. Well, um. I totally agree. I think every, and I think if you listen back to the all of our hankies, it's been much more complicated than we assumed on episode one. So we built the scale on episode one, assuming we were going to be sad about everybody, and then watching them acquit themselves so professionally has made it a lot easier. No, for we all. kind of left the radicchio off the plate, I guess. <laughs> uh, yeah, we've got added this poison element that we keep saying every time. Yeah. Well, let's see what, how everybody else is feeling. Let's dip in. Let's take a brief dip. In, oh wait, wait. Did we get Sarah and Kyle. Oh, we we are, are added to the convo. We can we can move on to our beautiful mailbag. Yeah, I, one thing I thought is that in previous weeks we've had a lot of similar hankies from everybody, so I thought I would just toss it out to the table and then taking all responses at once. Um, okay. And I thought we generally agreed. I'm taking. I'll take any other um, cold, unfeeling takes. Uh, this is to. not. Re- this is actually like not cold. I don't want to open a can of worms, but I I up to like fifteen to sixteen hankies uh, because like. I as 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 strong as Gregory's been this season, he did still come back for an all-star season. The restaurant industry is like a volatile mistress. And like right now, uh if he's trying to open a new restaurant, I we aren't going to restaurants right now. It's a tough thing of like I, I've I've found myself like assuming that like just because they got to like the top three in past seasons, like they're doing okay. But this is still their career. And I, yeah. I, I like to assume they're doing well because they are like public figures and well liked and well talked about and well known, which is a huge step. But like right now, like I, it seems like every chef is fighting for their lives. Yeah, yeah. that's true. There's, that's there's a right. lot of yeah. personal responsibility on just everyone who loves restaurants and the, the culinary community to make sure that it is possible for everyone to quote unquote be fine going forward. Like, that yeah. is that is something that is on everybody yeah. uh, because it is. Yeah, there is there's a pretty big looming question mark. Yeah. Yeah. You, Kevin said that thing that we've sort of uh, talked about a little bit before, but where he said he's won 30 grand this season and that for most of his career, he made less than that. Yeah. And yeah. we we've we talked about this, but I, I believe we've talked about this on the podcast before. But every once in a while, the chefs will say something that reminds us that like until you are the celebrity chef level, you mostly don't get paid very well. It's like. You work for a long time, working incredibly long hours, making almost no money. And usually without health insurance also. Yeah, without health insurance while you're running around with knives and fire. Yeah. Um, it's Yeah, it's it's crazy. Um, so, 
so even if maybe these chefs are doing great, there's so many other chefs that aren't probably um, not doing as well and can't just offer online classes and get money because they're not on TV. So, well, and just you know, uh, yeah, and, and restaurants. I mean, it's yeah. it's like the future is just so uncertain right now, and I do I really do feel. Uh, it's it's been great to have the season of Top Chef and to celebrate food and cooking and restaurants, but it has been against this backdrop of just uncertainty and and knowing that so many people in the industry are just really going through a lot of hardship right now. It's it's been an escape from that, and then also like it's also celebrating a thing that is not here anymore, which is really well, strange. You know, and Mr. Optimist here. I mean, it, the timing of Are you going to say you, you only have four chef, hankies for the restaurant industry too? No, 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 no. <laughs> but just like this idea that, you know, kind of at the Top Chef, we get our finale, you know, within the next couple weeks, just as, you know, at least like here in New York, like restaurant dining is starting to open again. And I'm sure across the country, you know, even more so where hopefully this can be an inspiration and a reminder for how much we you know, love food and, and how that adds to the, the joy of our lives. So hopefully this can be, you know, kind of an inspiration to, to get out there and, and support what you love. So, yeah. Um, so that was a bit of a can of worms, Kyle. You're right. Yeah, um, sorry. I just wanted to bring I thought it was going to be so much more gossipy from the way you said it. And it was not, it was very, it was, it was the can of elephants in the room. <laughs> I'd say <laughs> the, very, the, the very necessary no, can to open, I think. Yes, I yeah, yeah I agree. It's, All right, it's just let's one see. of our many long form national tragedies that we are currently living through. <laughs> yes, yeah. All right, let's see how everybody else is feeling. Let's take a dip into Megan's mailbag. You can get in touch with Megan by going to packyourmics.com. You can also send her an email, mailbag at packyourmics.com, and we're also available on Facebook and Twitter. Megan, what's in your bag? Uh, we have an email from Jordan. Uh, Jordan writes some thoughts on this episode. Uh, Gregory lost in his season making in sorry Gregory lost in his season in Mexico making mole, no. and then now oh, yeah. making a braise with cocoa nibs. Interesting, cursed cocoa. Interesting. Mm-hmm. Except for the fact that he's, you know, done a lot of dark stews before and been very successful for him. Somehow yeah. dark stews just feels like such a loaded description. I don't like I just every time <laughs> it comes up, I'm like, ugh, ugh. Like, I realize it's pretty innocent, gener- like as a genuine description of an actual thing. And every time yeah, it's like it Gregory and his deepest, darkest stews. Like what is going on? <laughs> yeah, the stew of darkness. That's pretty. That is a good point, Jordan, that this did come back to bite him twice. Yeah, it isn't. Yeah, it's. Um, he didn't say I'm doing this to redeem myself, but it does uh, have a little bit of that vibe. I, Jordan writes, I think Stephanie is where Melissa was at before. Talented, but in her own, own head a bit. Mm. The self-editing will come and she will be great. I think he he's referring to Melissa's first, uh, Melissa's, Yeah, original first, season. First, yeah, for yeah. sure. Yeah. I mean, I do think it's like I, the self-questioning is like, like she knew it was bad and it's just she just needs that one percent more confidence to know that it's like even if you've invested all of this thought and time and you really wanted this to work it doesn't matter now she's talked a lot about how like she feels like she i she's mentioned this in talking heads of like she's just a private chef she doesn't have the restaurants everyone has so i think it i i don't think that it's warranted but i wouldn't be surprised if it's that sort of 
uh, self judgment of thinking like you're a different thing than all these other people and not seeing like, it's like if she's able to get through the mental block of like putting herself on a different level, it would open up so much more where she just like gives herself the freedom to say like, she is a badass chef that can do any of this. I mean, she certainly seems like the person who's most eligible to take away confidence from this season that like, I don't feel like Volt needs to believe in himself more. Um, huh. But like, I feel like Seymour is the one who's going to leave this ep- this season being like, like knowing her skill level and knowing that she can hang with this level of chefs. Mm-hmm. And um, yeah, I think that's really cool. Also, she was the like seeing how excited she was about Italy and like the whole time was so cool. I'm not having somebody who's not been. Yeah. That was great. Um, Jordan writes, I've worked about a half a dozen truffle dinners. Oh. Um, and everything the judges said was correct. Robovolt, uh, with his fine dining background, gave them a very familiar dish for truffles. Mm, yeah. Nice. Melissa, that was brilliant because risotto is a traffic with truffles, a classic with truffles, but she made it her own. Yeah. That's the win. Yeah. Very smart. All right. Um, so for the final four, uh, Robovolt, Valerie's husband, uh, both are very established with multiple restaurants, um, top, top Chef Legends from season six. Uh, so Melissa, uh, he writes, out of nowhere killing it, she kind of has the Mike Isabella arch. Oh, here it is. In his season, he was good, not great. And then in All Stars was much better. And he does, has a parentheses, not as great as Melissa, and Melissa isn't a sleazeball. Yeah, th- that's really important. And also, in his season where he was not great, he said every week how great he was. And I think that makes it like pretty uncharming, even if you do get better, to just be like, to have been constantly talking about how amazing you are while you're doing not well. Huh. Right. Yeah. His, his, I recently re- rewatched his first season, and it's, it's pretty rough. Oh, boy. Isn't he also on the Vegas season? Yeah, he was with the the Volts. And he kept talking about how it was like him and the Volts all the way. It's just me and the Voltagio brothers. We're all equal. It's just the three of us doing all the great things. And he would just lose and lose and lose and lose and just did not recognize that he had any different from them. I knew that was the reason why that very fun season wasn't my favorite. (laughs) (laughs) It is. Yeah, it really is a lot of him. I mean, to me, at least that holds that season back. Yeah. Although I was actually, if you go back and watch a lot of seasons, there almost every season it seems like part of the formula is one person who goes farther than you like who takes away a lot of the fun. Hmm. Yeah, that that does feel like a familiar hallmark. Yeah. yeah, and that might be one reason why this season has felt so special because the pe- the person that filled that role, mm-hmm. I think, inarguably was Malarkey. He, yeah. Uh, however, he turned into something fun. He did yeah. grow on me. Yeah, which does not always happen. Of yeah, exactly. Character as opposed to like a top chef chef. Yeah, yes. absolutely. And they, in fact, they just showed they showed his elimination again in the in the previously on, and his hug with Gregory is just so genuine. Yeah. Just, anyway, he he's yeah. completed his growth on me. He's now a, a growth that lives on me. That's like a truffle. That's like, <laughs> it's like a truffle. Yeah, it's like a truffle. a truffle on my neck. Yeah, yeah I, I see the parallels that Jordan's talking about, but I think um, for me, it's. Uh, another comparison would be sort of the Shirley um, 
arc. Where Shirley, mm. yeah, Shirley was Where like, she, you know, really during the first season found her voice yeah. and uh, just thrived during um, her All Stars season. And went from being like the imitator to like an original chef. That was. Well, yeah. that yeah, that was her specifically. Uh, I'm not. Yeah. I'm, yeah. But yeah, just kind of find, finding her voice. Totally. Too. Yeah. Yeah, I agree. I agree. Um, was that, wait, was that, did he comment on everybody? Did Jordan comment on everybody? Or did yeah, they? So, the, so yeah, okay. last, uh, Stephanie, after a slow start, has been doing really great. A couple of hiccups, but is showing her ceiling just as high as anyone's. Yeah. Again, this is nothing but great for her. Yeah. Totally agree. Um, yeah. Thanks, Jordan. Yeah. Uh, so we have a, a note from Jane. Uh, despite carefully watching the judge's mouth. <laughs> I was super surprised and delighted at the win. Yeah. Is M- Melissa officially no longer the underdog? I don't. There's no way you could think of Melissa as an underdog with no. five elimination wins out of 12 episodes. When, didn't she win the first elimination? Like when, when did, when was she an underdog? I think maybe, um, oh, but Gregory and his team won the first elimination. That's it right. It could be before the season started. I don't know. Yeah. Like, yeah. I think yeah. coming into it. Well, she just, yeah, she, she's been great. Like we loved her the first time around, but she just, she just didn't like jump off the page the same way some other people did. Well, and, and I think relative to a lot of the competition, like she, she reads as slightly greener maybe. And so it is easier to think like, wow, you've got these like super heavy hitters. Like, will she like be able to stand up to the, you know, the Voltagios of the world? And yeah. the answer is absolutely a hundred percent. Yes. Yeah. She's done significantly better than RoboVault this season. Uh, Jane writes, truly sad about the eliminated chef. I think last week's Doom edit prepared me a little for this. Wonder if we'll see the eliminated chefs at, in the finale of Sue Chefs. He'd definitely be a first pick. Well, I, my under- it seems as though we got a hint from that Instagram post from Gregory that they will not. Or at least if they do, he didn't have to participate. Because he yeah. said he spent three days in bed and then flew home. Yeah. 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 I, mean, I was going to say, I would actually prefer that they not haul him out of bed to make him no compete yeah. 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 Fill his bed in and say, just like dice on your side. <laughs> <laughs> also, Jane, uh, uh, thank you so much for your careful wording in case that made it to Megan's mailbag before Alex and Megan watched that episode. Yeah, the eliminated chef was yeah. a very, that was very Thank neutral. you for your consideration. Very nice. Very yeah, nice. I do. Yeah, this, Jane posted on Facebook. So yeah, for anyone who hadn't watched Yeah, and for episode, anybody. Yeah, yeah, that's really important. Very kind. Yes. Thank you. This is the reason I don't follow more chefs on Instagram is because I would like, if I have all the top chef people on Instagram, then the, the Friday before, like what we usually watch a Friday evening. And then that whole day, I have to not be on the internet because I'm afraid. Most, I've, most of the, Folks I follow don't post spoilers. But. Well, I'm yeah. When did Gregory post his sad post? You know, I'm not sure. Yeah. Um, because even them just saying like, yeah, I'm just be, I'm just be a little bit worried about it. Not again. Not that I want our fans to be super concerned about my watching schedule, but just that's why I was like worried about Instagram. On I have Twitter set so that the whole day on Friday it blocks the words top any post with Top Chef in it, mm. so that I I don't have to get spoiled on accident. Um. But yeah, I do. I do appreciate people who are being nice, not just for us, but as also for fans. I try to like. I don't know if you guys have noticed that on the website, but the first season we would like the, the first season we we did, we would put things about the elimination in the descriptions of the episodes, and I stopped doing that. I made sure there's no photos or anything that gives away anything if you're browsing a season. So you can even if you're going back and watching something you haven't seen, you could be spoiler free since 2003. Mm. That's not really the year, but wow. it just rhymed. <laughs> <laughs> um, 
Fang says. Mm-hmm. Ali May writes, can we up it to 17 hankies for Gregory? For sure. Mm. All the hankies. Uh, his poor back, that was painful to yeah. watch. Yeah. Um, Robovolt is the last remaining of my boldly predicted final final three. Yeah. Interesting. I mean, like certainly... Yeah, that's we're going to talk about that in a second. I can't wait. I want to hear everybody's everybody's finale predictions. So, I I'm, it's a fascinating place to be. Uh, then finally, we have an email from Brian. Um, Brian writes, "I th- thought you guys would be interested in the sad news about Jose's daughter. Mm. Have oh, you God. have you guys heard? Oh, um, no, what? Yeah. So, yeah, Jose's daughter has been diagnosed with a rare." Um, degenerative disorder so she, i think she's a uh, she's very young like three years old and um has been diagnosed with a rare disorder uh where that will affect her joints and um kidneys and just sounds really really hard and sad oh no um, oh jeez, that's just uh, terrible yeah but um uh, brian wanted to draw our attention to how <clears throat> uh a lot of the Top Chef former contestants um, and Gail got together to raise money uh, to support her. It really speaks to the Top Chef community. So um, if you go to, there's a site called Sophie's Neighborhood um, and just a ton of um, uh, Top Chef contestants have you know, uh, auctioned off virtual cooking classes and uh other auction items to um, raise money to support her um, medical needs. So, Sophie'sNeighborhood.org. Sophie'sNeighborhood.org. Yeah. Wow, that's so sad, but also beautiful. I it's I hadn't really realized how functional the I haven't hadn't realized how functional the uh, Top Chef family had been until this year, and just how much they do actually like hang out and. Support yeah, each other. people from different seasons. Yeah, who, yeah. You know, maybe haven't didn't meet each other during their season. And but... the chefs and the judges were like, we, you know, they're so stratified during the season to see them like actually supporting each other after the season's over is really amazing. Oh, yeah. yeah, it's very cool. Thanks, Brian, and thanks everybody who submitted to the mailbag. Uh, we look forward to hearing more from you next week. Thank you very much, Megan. Before we go today in our bold prediction segment, so first of all, I believe. Well, actually, do we know this? Um, let's see. Let me see if I can learn this. But do we know if there's a two or a three person finale? Do we have an idea on that? I'm guessing th- my my uneducated guess is three, just from you know the idea that Kevin could or could not have made the uh you know to the finale to get back in, um, yeah. and so that that to me signals they had planned for a two or three person uh, finale, and since he made it in. Three. If it's a three-person finale, though, that means that we only have two episodes left, correct? I think that's the implication based on the preview, because next week... Yeah, that's yeah. what I was trying to double-check. I thought that yeah. was true, but yeah. Interesting. So we only have two episodes left, so that means we only have one elimination. So, bold prediction. Or or this could be with your heart and not with your betting brain, but like, who would you, who would you like to see in the final three? Who would you like to eliminate? I guess I'm eliminating RoboVolt as much as I love him just because he's had so much time on on Top Chef and I would really love to see I mean everyone's had so much time on Top Chef it's been a but lot, I would yeah. really love to see everyone else's finale dishes more I think 
I feel like in my heart, I've spent the most time with Volt. <laughs> I would, I, cause I feel like I would like Volt. I feel like Volt has earned it and I am impressed by him and I want to, want to have him there, but you're a hundred percent right that I am not, I don't, I, no part of me is curious about his finale menu and I am about the other three. Yeah. Well, they've all earned it. Let's, let me put that out there. For However, sure, this for sure. out, I will be disappointed for whatever chef gets eliminated next, but like yes. it will be a really interesting, delightful, exciting finale, whatever combination yeah. of chefs ends up there. Totally yeah. agree. Yeah, I think I'm I'm a hundo P aligned with you there, Sarah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, uh, I, I agree. Yeah. For me, it comes down to I, I think like because it's gone it's been a very good season. I have a lot of affection and respect for all four chefs that are left. I think it comes down to just like the food and I, yeah. it's between Brian and Stephanie. Brian, I just like, I get it. He's very good. I don't <laughs> food. Interesting. Like if, if all four of them opened a restaurant, I think I'd be least likely to go to Brian Voltaggio's restaurant. But my Based on is, price point alone. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, for sure. Style like approach. It's like, it's very good. I, I like, he's doing it well, but that's not what I am interested in. Yeah. What You're a strange curse. down to old man tweezers. <laughs> Yeah, no, I, I don't. What a strange curse, though, to be like everyone agrees your food is perfect and they don't care. Like we're just not interested in how good you are. We get it. You're magical. Fine. Yeah, right? that's so interesting. Uh, and then I just to I think now is the point where I should say that like I think Militia should and I want her to win. Hundred uh, percent. Based on how she's done this season, I think like Kevin's been great. And I still have a lot of like personal affection for him, but like I feel that she's just done it better from the yeah. beginning. Like she's really been cooking well, backing up like the dishes she makes. I'm still like it, it, everything about the country captains really stuck in my craw about mm. like how the the sort of gaps in that. Yeah, yeah, and yeah. how he framed it, and I just think like. The, it, when it's be, like cutting hairs or mincing, oh, I, I don't know the phrase. Splitting it, hairs. Splitting hairs. Yeah. When it's splitting cutting hairs, hairs is still hairs. illegal in California. I know. And don't I know it, brother? <laughs> yeah. um, I look the worst I've ever looked. I'll send you a picture after this. It's <laughs> disturbing. Uh, <sighs> but when it's splitting hairs between like such great chefs and people that we love, like I'm going to go with the person who's like really walk the walk talk the talk all yeah. season long yeah i mean I, I i is anybody not full melissa's hoper right now that's the terrible way to say that anybody else not a melissa hoper uh, here's 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 the thing is from the start of the show i've been you, the biggest of melissa hopers uh-huh however this makes me more this episode makes me more scared for her chances of making the finale than any other because it is a ham and cheese episode and of the remaining chefs the one you know like i'm not worried about kevin's ability to make a ham dish you know i'm not worried if i was gonna call him something it might be ham dish right right that might be and so i mean based on just like sort of like what the challenge is and who we have left i think kevin's probably making the finale um i have a hard time given the pedigree of saying that volt won't 
make the finale. And I really yeah. hope, I mean, I hope Melissa and Seymour make that finale and I, I'm, you know, but I, I just see it as an uphill, uphill battle given the challenge this next week. So I'm, I'm on, I'm on tinter hooks. Mm. Tinter hooks Wait. are also illegal during the pandemic. Yeah. yeah. But, but no, but like, who do I want to see in the finale? I think it's I, I, I think I agree with the group um, that I think the most interesting food and, the, you know, would come out of uh, Melissa, Kevin and Seymour. Yeah, I would also be happy with Melissa and Vault and Seymour because the yeah. it would be I'd be really excited to see what Melissa and Stephanie create. And I just would like to watch Vault tweeze things perfectly. I yeah, just, I do still enjoy the boring perfection. <laughs> And I, I guess I feel that mostly I feel like I like him. I think he's fun. And I feel bad for the fact that people are bored by his talent. Like that is just, I don't know. I'm really sympathetic to that. Not because it's relatable. I am not good at things, but like the idea that you're so good that people are sick of you being good and don't want you to win is like kind of heartbreaking. Like uh, what are you he supposed seems, to do? He seems like such a fun guy. I, I really does. like him. He does. Did they do the laugh thing yet? Did they no. talk about his laugh on the show? His Melissa laugh. mentioned during yeah. her thing that there was an there was a time where the producers made everyone on the show during a talking head do an impression of Brian's laugh. Um, and I have been waiting to see it. <laughs> oh, affable dad. Yeah. He's so affable and so incredibly perfect at cooking. And yeah. So Not quick fires though. But uh, yeah, and, and then also the quick <laughs> Even the way he like, like I'm gonna do that. I'm gonna win this one. I'm gonna call my shot today because I need it. It's kind of a Charlie Brown thing. It oh, is, yeah, it like, so is. It's I'm so sort is. of rooting for him not to win the quickfire next week because it would take away some of the fun. Yeah. Hey, Bay Area, what are your finale thoughts? We haven't heard from you yet. Uh, so Sarah is is off off uh, tending to the kids, uh, so mm-hmm. so they are not like ripping out the microphone. So yeah, I'll have to like uh, extrapolate. I I, I think. I don't know. I guess my 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 main thing is that I've felt the really a lot of comfort and love in just the ritual of Top Chef uh, over yes. the past uh, many weeks. Uh, and I think so. I'm I'm more just like I'm kind of like slowing, trying to slow down towards like get to the end of the book and just try not for it to mm-hmm. end. But uh, yeah, that's, that's more. I just want to I want to freeze this moment. I want to have just yeah. I want I want a Groundhog Day. Uh, these chefs and just kind of keep them in Italy doing like you know different challenges that no one gets eliminated on where it's, it's always a tie oh that's not gonna that's I'm gonna so say that's sweet. not a bold prediction that will not happen it's not very bold <laughs> but yeah another tie welcome to Top Chef season 17 episode 35 <laughs> it's the same four chefs in Italy <laughs> nobody's complaining <laughs> today we'll find out what truffle dog brought them from the store <laughs> just truffle dog evolves uh, yeah and, and branches out gets more and more things main the main job is to, at some point the judge they're serving food to truffle dog and giada's like no not this one um <laughs> yeah that's not a great bold prediction i mean it's not is good it's not oh, bold there's um, no there's no way to say it's not bold <laughs> it's not bold that this won't happen <laughs> Uh, yeah. Anybody else have any finale predict- any thoughts or predictions on the way out? All right. Well, hearing none, it's time to bring this meeting of the Top Chef podcast to a close. Um, thank you so much for everybody who wrote in. We look forward to hanging out with you for at least two more episodes, possibly thirty, as the chefs are <laughs> stuck in their terrible Italian time loop, all narrated by um, ADR Tom from the future, telling us to stay safe. So. Um, 
we will be back with more talking about that. We'll talk about our final pre-finale next week or finale part two. I don't know how you actually measure this anymore, but looking forward to more Italy and some ham and cheese dish. Thank you so much for being here, everybody. Thanks for being, uh, for joining us today, Sarah Nez, um, or as on behalf of Sarah and everybody else there. Yeah. Um, can, can I do a quick plug? I think we of course. Show notes. Uh, there's going to be a list of um, black owned restaurants um, in the, in the show notes, uh, you know, by a bunch of different cities. Uh, so, uh, if you want to go out and support, uh, be a good time for it. Absolutely. Yeah, you sent that to me. I will put that link in the show notes. We got a lot of show notes links this week. So get in the show notes and click around. Also, we believe that Apple Podcasts now supports links in show notes, which they didn't until like That's a month gonna ago. That's going to make it so much easier for people to click on it as opposed yeah, to it's going to be impossible. way more clickable. Yeah, as opposed to broken. Um, so that might... Like, it never stopped me from putting them there, but now they might actually work. So, Oh, just that. like as a podcast player? Is that what's up? In the player, in the show notes, links just, it just used to strip links out. And now I think they're, it seems like they are working. So I don't know when that change got made exactly, but it was during this season of the show, it seems. So anyway, the, but they'll also Hi, be on our Dan. website, packermike.com. Um, thanks, uh, Chris and Tanya. Yeah. Hang in there, everybody. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. See you at Hamplate and uh, new Sarah and Kyle. Thanks for joining us. Chichapi. Chichapis. <laughs> um, <laughs> that was so adorable. Uh, <laughs> Chichapi right. are used in all Mediterranean cuisine. <laughs> <laughs> all right. And also look forward to more just terrible Italian accents next week. Oh, wait. I'm so sorry. I almost forgot. Chris, pack your mics and stay home. All right, everybody. We'll see you next week. Bye. Bye.